Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a mother, wife, daughter, friend, and I'm also a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I have a private practice where I specialize in working with women as well as having a specialty in maternal mental health. Here on the podcast, we'll be discussing womanhood as well as motherhood and learning strategies to navigate this crazy world that we live in. So kick back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. Hey guys, welcome to season three of the Push Through Podcast. Um, I cannot even believe that I'm in a third season. And I um, recently went onto SoundCloud just to look at the downloads of some previous episodes and people are still listening and, and getting cat- caught up on everything that's been previously recorded and I'm super excited. And I remember I was, not that I don't have any interest in recording the season three, but you know, like life has just been so busy and I've been putting it off, putting it off and um, people were just like hitting me up about the show And I was like, okay, so around Christmas would be a good time to go ahead and push out the third season and get things kicked off. And I'm super excited about it. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. But the purpose of this episode is to kind of catch you up on everything that's been going on with me, what's to come with the podcast, and um, just a couple of things that I've been working on. So first and foremost... um, I'm tired today, to say the least, because last night I was pretty much up all night. Um, it's so funny because sometimes I feel like when things are going really, really well, I start getting a little concerned and waiting for the other shoe to drop. But um, it was Sunday night, I believe. Um, my husband and I were up watching Tenet. Um, and that's with John David Washington, that's Denzel Washington's son. It's a good movie. Um, it's done by writer-director Chris Nolan, who I love his work. He did um, the Batman series, the one with Christian Bale. And he also did this movie called Inception and um, this other movie called Intercellar. And um, if you watch this video that I put up on social media and it was 23 questions about me, you would have learned that I have a fascination with science. Um, And science in the realm of outer space, um, physics, quantum physics, astrophysics, all of that. When I was a kid, I always wanted to go to space camp and I'm definitely going to have my kids go just for them to learn more about that because I just think it's just fascinating and space is so intriguing and it, it's also very humbling because we get so caught up in what we have going on in front of us that will you kind of look at the bigger scheme of everything we're just this small piece of what's going on in the world and it, it was a huge aha moment um, a few years ago I think it was 2017 when we had the solar eclipse if you guys remember that And I was at this contract job that I was working and I had gotten my shades or my glasses from Amazon and we were all standing out on this this patio looking up to be able to see it. And it was just this moment of realizing, oh my gosh, like we are 
just a small piece of a bigger thing that's going on. And also when I was in grad school, I did a lot of research projects on um, mental health in regards to um, astronauts and ones working in um, space science or whatnot and just learned so much about Mars. And when I tell people about, yeah, like there's literally work being done to have humans be put on Mars or if anything for us to be transported to Mars and there's actual work being done for people to orbit Earth on a recreational scale. Um, like this is happening. We, we don't hear about it. You'll see an article here and there. If you like really look it up, like it's, it's all there and, and there's just so much information about it, but it's, it's truly fascinating. And the idea of space and time and space and time being folded and, and I could go on and on about it and, and nerd out about it, but it's interesting. So Chris Nolan, getting back to my original topic is someone who writes a lot about all of that in his movies, if you've ever really noticed. And Tenet was a very complicated film. You ever see some films where you're like, let me go look this up and read it so I understand what's going on? That was Tenet. But while we were watching it, I was just reflective over everything that was going on in my life, and I was thinking about how grateful I was. And I talk about gratitude a lot And I mention it as a huge coping mechanism to be able to help anybody push through and get through the difficult times because often they're more good that's going on than bad. And if we just sit and really reflect over what we're grateful for, it can balance things out and and not make us sit and dwell in the unfortunate things that do come and go. Um, When the bad happens, it just feels so bad that it can overshadow the good, but there's often so much more good. We just autopilot through the good. So I had that moment of just being like, my gosh, everything is going well right now. Like I feel really great about what's going on with business, great about the family. My boys are doing so well. We have a good balance with time. Marriage is doing great. Friendships are great. Just life is good. Like I feel like future and that, and that life is good song with Trey, like life is good. But um, yesterday was a bit of a challenge. So I was feeding my son some pureed bananas. This is my eight month old and he choked on it. And I flipped him upside down, hit him on the back, like we're trained to do, learn to do. And it just wasn't coming up and he was gagging. And I panicked, didn't know what to do, reached through in his throat to try to scoop it out. Um, He ended up bleeding out of his mouth. um, And he was starting to act like he was sleepy, but he was breathing and I became terrified. And I never saw anything come up. I didn't know if he swallowed it down. I didn't know if it was still sitting there. He was breathing and he was starting to act normal, but I was just really panicky. Fortunately, I called his pediatrician's office because this is like 3.10 in the afternoon and they close at 5 or 5.30. And they're literally down the street from our house. And they told us, um, told me to just bring him in. And um, 
another fortunate thing that I'm super blessed about was there was like a discrepancy about our insurance. And this is like on the phone with me trying to figure out if I can bring them in. And she was saying, oh, it's term. And I was saying, no, it's still active because I just went to the doctor the other day. And they were like, well, you know, we can't give you the appointment because it's termed. And I was like, well, I'll just pay out of pocket, whatever the cost may be. I'll just pay for it, which is a privilege to be able to say that and to do that because there are some people who aren't able to go to the doctor just in general because of finances. So that in itself is another thing to just be super grateful for. So we get to the doctor's office. And again, I'm glad to go to the doctor because I didn't want to have to go to our local hospital ER when still in the middle of a pandemic. And then on top of that, I didn't want to have to drive all the way downtown to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta because it's that commute of having to get downtown in the traffic. People are out. It's Christmas time. People are shopping. And if he's going to be okay. So versus just going down the street to the pediatrician. So as soon as we get there, they take us straight back. They check his oxygen levels. Um, They check, see if his lungs are clear, check the back of his throat. They bring in another doctor for a second opinion. And in conclusion, he had digested the banana. Um, The bleeding came from me trying to pull it out of his throat. And they were saying for his age, the back of the throat is very sensitive. And that's what created the bleeding. And um, lungs were clear. He's good. He's healthy. It was just kind of scary in that moment. And him acting sleepy was pretty based on the fact that it was around his nap time. Um, So all was good. Um, But lesson learned for me is to just carefully monitor what he's eating, making sure that it is as small as possible. And then we also learned that he has a bit of a cold and having a lot of nasal drip and mucus buildup and all of that in the back of his throat kind of set him up to not be able to properly digest. And it was scary as shit, (laughs) like to say the least. Like I saw my life flash before my eyes and I was still even concerned about, is he breathing okay? Is he all right? And last night I slept in his room. Um, He has a sofa in his room. I slept on the sofa just to make sure that he was breathing okay through the night and just wanting to hold on to him and hold on to my my oldest, Ezra. And I kept doing these mantras of, my kids are going to outlive me. My kids are going to outlive me. And I've mentioned this before. Like In general, I'm someone who, who deals with anxiety. Yes, I am a therapist. Therapists see therapists. We're all human. We all have our flaws. We're all working through it. And, and something that I tell people about anxiety, there is no cure for it. If anything, you just learn how to cope better with it so that it's not debilitating. There are some things where I can just coast and be super chill, nonchalant about. And there are some things that are really anxiety provoking for me. And my children is um, people that I care about is something that can be anxiety provoking. So I just try to do whatever I can to ground myself and just love on them and hug on them. And I'm super excited because this is the week of Christmas. This episode is going to go live on Wednesday before Christmas Eve. And um, today is my last day of seeing clients for the week. So the rest of the week, we have plans of making cookies wrapping gifts and going to the park, watching How the Grinch Stole Christmas and Trolls Holiday and just really being connected. My husband's going to be off for the rest of the week after today and just 
enjoying each other and enjoying the time that we have. And again, that's something else that I'm, I'm super grateful for because I know this year has been really hard for a lot of people and finances may not be there for people because of the pandemic and job loss. And a lot of people have lost people because of the pandemic. And um, I was able to get some toys and do some donations because I don't want to just focus on my own life and not think about what other people are not are going through. And so all of that to say, the kids are good. They're fine. <laughs> that was Ellis. He's good. He's fine. Um, but that was just kind of like a, a scary moment. And for mothers, I know that we don't like to see our children be upset or to go through things, especially if it's something on our negligence and in an accident. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, but for motherhood, motherhood overall has been really, really well. I'm really happy. Um, got a good routine. Kids are doing great. And January is coming up. And we are going to keep the child care person that we have in our house watching the kids. She teaches Ezra, our oldest, and um, one day a week I'll be teaching him because she's going to be shortening one of her days. Right now she does five days a week. Starting in January, she'll be doing four. And um, and we're not going to be putting him back into school in January. Um, he won't be going back to school until June um, is when his school starts. And even that was kind of a decision, but it's worked out. He's right on target. He's doing a really, really great job. And even getting that one-on-one attention, um, something that I was concerned about a little bit was just about the socialization. But fortunately, we have some great friends with kids around his age. And if not once a week, every other week, he's able to play with someone. And that does a lot for him. Um, So he's doing great and super blessed in that regard and super happy. And I know that not everybody is able to have their kids at home. Some kids, some parents have to send their kids to school because they have to work. And then some parents need that mental break, which I get it. I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer in regards to that. I respect whatever any parent's decision of what they want to do with their kid is in the middle of a pandemic. We're just doing the best that we can. Um, On top of that, self-care, I've been really intentional about taking care of myself, exercising. Um, I had started getting massages again, but now numbers are going up, so that's on the decline. But I did go to Serenby for a friend's birthday, and I've talked about Serenby a couple of times. It is in Chattahoochee Hills, Georgia, so it's about 40, 45 minutes outside of downtown Atlanta. And it is a, I don't know how to call you, a country utopia. I love it every time I go. I've been a few times now. Love the food, love the atmosphere. Everybody's super friendly. And something about me that I may or may not have shared, but I really like architecture in home decor. And it has all of that. All of the homes are beautiful. The architecture's beautiful. Layout's beautiful. And we are going to be eventually transitioning to a new house um, at some point, maybe at the end of next year, beginning of 2022, um, if everything works out. And so just looking at different homes is super inspiring for me. I just 
I love it. It's, it's beautiful. So check out Serenby if you are wanting to get away, um, have some time to just kind of do something different. Because I know for people who've been locked up in the house, that can be hard, but that's something that's local that you can get away to. I highly, highly recommend. And speaking of the pandemic, um, <laughs> the pandemic is still here, but I know the vaccine is coming out and I'm so excited about it. Um, I know that there are people who are skeptical about it and I understand the skepticism, especially being African-American in our history with relying on um, people to make ethical decisions when it comes to science and that hasn't always worked in our favor in the past. So I, I totally get it. On the flip side, I am glad that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that life can somewhat resemble some sort of normalcy. I can maybe go to the gym again. Um, I might be able to travel to see my brother in Texas, maybe. Um, just small things like that I'm looking forward to because I get that there are some people out there that has decided to live their life and do whatever they want to do. And the only thing that I can judge or make a decision about is myself, but I cannot just get it. I can't just get COVID, um, not without me being, if I have any control over what I do to expose myself to just get it. And I say that because one, I'm very fearful of it. Um, I'm fearful of how my body may react to it because it does feel like it's just scratch off. You don't know how you'll, what type of strain you'll get, how your body will react to it. And I've even had to remove myself from certain conversations in regarding to it because those are one of those things that I'm passionate about. <laughs> you know, I said like some comp, some things like I don't, I'm, I can appear nonchalant. I don't have much to give and some things I'm very passionate about. That's one of those topics that I am and I have to kind of pick and choose how I want to engage, but um, the pandemic was something that was very anxiety provoking for me. And um, not only because I don't know how my body will react to it, but because I don't have anybody else to watch my children in the event that I did get it. Because that would mean that our person who comes in to help me with the children couldn't come. My husband works in healthcare. He has a very demanding job. Um, he is a supervisor at his job. He wouldn't be able to take off for two weeks if that would even be the amount of time that it would take before I wouldn't test positive. I've known people who tested positive for a month or for five weeks. Um, and again, who would watch my children? Where would I be able to send them? My parents are older. My mother is a survivor of cancer twice, like I've said before. My husband's mother still works. So I don't have the ability to just get it to get it out of the way. So I'm very, very, very careful. And with that, it can be hard because you're in the house and, you know, you have your bubble of people that you do see. And um, even sometimes that can be a little bit risky. And so Tom Cruise, I don't know if you guys have heard this or not. He had a um, rant, <laughs> as they, they called it, of some people who weren't doing what they were supposed to do in regards to 
the protocol for COVID and he was going off about it. And some people felt like he was being too harsh. He was doing too much. And I personally um, kind of agreed with everything that he said. So let me play it for you if you haven't heard it. So it's kind of a, a snippet. And I know that some people look at the pandemic as being like a political issue, but I don't. I look at it as just humanity um, and science again. But basically to sum up what he was talking about was he was upset because there were people on the set who, because he's in the middle of filming Mission Impossible 7, I think, maybe. And um, some people weren't following protocol. They were gathering, not wearing their masks. And it was going to, if someone tested positive, they were going to have to shut down the movie and they would know when they would be able to resume. And being that this movie creates a lot of jobs and opportunities for people who had families, you know, of course, Tom is a millionaire, but there's other people who may have like a smaller job. And in that industry, you kind of just get a job as it come about. So you might have been waiting all of this time during the pandemic to get on to this movie, to get a paycheck, to pay your bills and to take care of your family and to feed your kids. And for other people's negligence of not following the protocol could have shut the film down and put them out of a job. And then not only that, but the film industry suffered a huge loss because, you know, people weren't going to the theaters, AMC was at risk of going bankrupt and having to close and movies were doing the on-demand straight to uh, video and there was a lot of films that lost a lot of money and so Hollywood suffered a great loss as well and so investors being able to invest in the movie was also a risk because they're hoping that okay they're going to be able to film this within this time, within this budget, without having to put anything off. And then hopefully it'll be able to come out at this time and we can recoup what we've invested. So it was just a lot of, of parts to this. And the simple protocol was just wear your mask, stay six feet apart, follow the corona or COVID protocol so that we can do a job, all get paid and move on with our lives. And the people on the set were not doing that. And that made him upset. And yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of like the world that we live in now, um, where people are kind of just like polar opposites in regards to that. Rather, they believe it's a hoax. Rather, they believe they don't care. If anything, it's just about following the protocol, respecting other people, and um just being safe at the end of it all. So that's that's that. Um, the next topic that I wanted to talk about um, was some things that I've been working on in a work setting um, that I'm super proud of. I don't think that I mentioned this, um, but this is something that I got over the summer or did I get it in August? And I don't, I don't think I was recording in August. Was I recording in August? Anyway, I got my certification in perinatal mental health. And um, of course, I am 
considered or I have a specialty in maternal mental health. And just to kind of give you like an idea of what that means and how that how that's set up. So Postpartum Support International um, is the person right now who is able to certify people in maternal mental health. And how I was able to get that was I had to take a maternal 101 webinar online training. Then from there, I did a two-day training on perinatal mood and anxiety, which was also offered by Postpartum Support International. I had to fly out to Arizona to get that two-day training, and that was all the way back in 2017, right after I had Ezra. Then from there, I had to take an advanced training that was for one day, and it was more so going into detail about the treatment options to treat someone who has a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. At that time, that was pretty much it to be able to say that you are educated, you know your stuff, and you can say that you do this type of work. However, um, they later decided that they wanted to come up with an actual board exam for that because they felt as if um, it's kind of like when you take a training and afterwards you just are given a certificate. How can someone really measure that you were paying attention, you had a good grasp on the information to then go out there and treat people or to say that you're certified in it. So they came out with an exam for it and it was $500, very expensive. And you had to go to a testing site like where you would go to take your SATs or GRE or even like your um, MCAT or PCAT, um, one of those one of those facilities. Um, and you had to take a study guide to kind of go over everything. And what was tricky about the exam was not only therapists were able to take the exam. So there were other people and other medical professionals. So there was information on it as regards to what medications someone can be able to take while pregnant, uh, what medications they can take when they're breastfeeding, or the costs and benefits of if you're schizophrenic and you are pregnant, of being on medication and not being on medication. What are the long-term effects? How does it affect the fetus? How does it affect the long-term baby after they're born from being on these psychotropic medications? So those things that I don't even do in my practice day, I don't prescribe medication. I don't do any of that. I send my clients that they need to be on medication to a um, perinatal psychiatrist, someone who has that specialty. But I wanted to take the exam to get the highest education and the highest credentials within maternal mental health to really say that I am an expert. I know it. I do the work. This is, you know, my proof behind it. Because I notice that sometimes people can say, oh, I work with women or, oh, I do this, oh, I do that, and may not have the education behind that. And this was something that was super important to me. So I took that exam in August and I passed the test on the first time. Yay! That was a big deal. Super, super excited about that. And to just let you know what's going on career-wise, January 1st or 4th, rather, after we come back from the holiday, Push Through Therapy opens its doors virtually because (laughs) I won't be back into the office until around like April, between April and June, depending on how the world is at that time. But um, yeah, so I've started a group practice. I've hired my um, first contractor 
And um, I'll have another second contractor coming along in January as well. And they will be my associates within the group practice. Me personally, I'm not accepting any more new clients probably for the remainder of 2021. Um, Everybody new that comes through will be um, to my associate clinicians and working with them. But I've met my capacity of who I'll be able to see. But during the pandemic, I was able to notice how there was a a strong need for people to get counseling. And I'm only one person. I only have so many hours. But the beautiful thing about telemental health is so many people has access to it. And so they were able to really take advantage of it. And another great thing about the pandemic, the flip side of it, because there was a lot of bad, but there was some good that came out of it, where there were insurance companies that was waiving the co-payments for people to get counseling. Um, Even Aetna um, has waived the co-pays from June all the way until January 31st of 2021 so far. And Blue Cross Blue Shield, for some plans, have waived throughout the remainder of 2020. So that also gave a lot of more access for people who may have had a high deductible plan, who may have been paying out of pocket to see their therapist, but didn't have to. Um, A lot of companies recognize how the pandemic was affecting them mentally by working from home, stress, or from losing loved ones due to the pandemic. And so that was a good thing of being able to opt for a plan that would waive their co-payments. Um, So with that, a lot of people had access through their phones, their laptops, being able to step away from their family for a couple of hours to get counseling. And with that, there was just so many inquiries for people desiring counseling, which is good, but there are not enough therapists to go around to the people who want and desire help. And so I decided to take that opportunity to expand the practice, take on some clinicians, Um, to offer some more options for people to get the help that they need. So I'm so excited about that. I I really love who has joined the team. And when the office does open, the vision that I have for it is just, I I can't wait. I can't wait till the world resumes to be somewhat normal again. I know I've talked to some other clinicians who said that they've enjoyed working from home, and I do. There's a lot of benefits to it, but I do miss just getting up, getting dressed, listening to a podcast on my drive into work, and um, being able to just see clients. I'm still going to do telehealth because some clients just, you know, like it. And I have some clients that live in some rural areas and in South Georgia. Um, But for the ones who want to come into the office, that'll be an option. And then the office space Um, We'll have like a doula that will have an office, a prenatal chiropractor that'll have an office. And the space will be large enough where there can be some events, workshops, meetups, um, just wonderful things that is in store for that. And next year, um, hopefully, again, depending on the world, um, we'll be having the conference again September, the end of September. Typically, we usually have it around the 24th, 25th. And um, I'm so excited. The theme that I've been waiting to have is generations and how our mothers, mothers, and our moms and women in our life have influenced our desire to become mothers and how that has had a positive and or negative impact on us as women 
and how we show up as moms. So I'm excited to launch that and kick that off this year. Um, I'm also going to be doing another Breathe event. I had pushed through Mama Breathe in September this year in lieu of the conference, but it did so well, I decided that I'm going to have another one in February for people who weren't able to attend, and that'll be virtual. So we'll have another guest speaker. We'll do um, some guided meditations, be able to have breakout sessions for other women to meet other women, talk about their stories, get journals, get goodie bags, and talk about some strategies to navigate stress, anxiety, negative self-talk, all of that stuff so that they can be able to be in a healthy place to move through everything that they're going through. And that's for women who are pregnant, for new moms and veteran moms. So look out for that. And I'm also going to be having a virtual networking event at the end of January for any Black women who work in the maternal space so that we can be able to refer and connect women who need different types of services. Um... In one of the episodes that I've done an interview already that you'll you'll hear up next week, I believe, it's just about the mortality rate of African-American women. And it's just so important that Black women are able to create a medical team or a support system that they trust and they feel confident in. And so being able to refer them to a doula, an OBGYN, a physical therapist that works with pelvic floor, a lactation specialist, all of the things that they can trust and feel confident and safe in. Um, So that's the purpose of having that virtual networking event so that we can all meet each other. I can have a roster of names. Anytime I have a client or run into someone who needs someone for something, easily I can refer them. So that's what's going on with Push Through. Um, The other thing is thinking about goals for next year. So when the podcast launched last year, um, we kind of talked about one episode, what to expect for 2020. (laughs) And and it's so funny because what we didn't expect (laughs) for 2020 is what we got. But darn it, if I know I've grown, I've learned so much, and I'm sure so many other people have learned and grew as well. It was a tough year for everybody. I'm I'm pretty sure of it, but um, it was definitely a, a year to face challenges. The more challenges you are able to face, the more you can learn about yourself, um, the more you can be able to head them on as they come because life will continue to throw things at us. So for my goals for next year is being able to push myself out of my comfort zone. I've always been someone, and I've talked about this a couple of times, that has had just goals and plans for myself and have been ambitious and wanted to just have all of these ideas and put them out there. But I want to take it to the next level. I feel like I've been working or operating at a level five, which has been fine. I've had to work at my own pace, but I think I'm ready to work at a level 10. And when I say that, I don't mean like work harder where I'm just like working 24 hours, 20 days. (laughs) There's no 20 days a week, but you get what I'm saying. Not in that regard, but taking it up a notch by pitching myself for opportunities that otherwise I would have been not thinking that I was qualified for or I'm not what they're looking for or in in that regard, like really pushing myself. 
There is a secret project that I'm working on. I'm not giving any details about it. And I know I hate it when people do that. Like, oh, and this is all done. I get to tell you about it. But it is something that is totally out of my realm. A friend approached me about it back in the summer. And we got on it, got connected with the right people. Um, and I am excited about it. If she's listening to this, she knows what I'm talking about. I'm super grateful for her, all of the connections that she has, her believing in me and push through in the message and for her taking me out of my comfort zone. I never saw what we have planned to be something that is realistic and something that could happen. Um, but we're on the road of creating that for ourselves and for our community, for mothers. And if it does happen, which I'm speaking in, into existence that it will, and if it was to happen, the hopes is for it to reveal itself um, in the spring or summer of next year. It will be amazing. And here's here's uh, uh, something that's really private, not necessarily private, but um, me being transparent. That's personal. That's the best, better word that I've never told people before or I don't talk about often. I have lived a life where I've had moments where there's been doubters um, at corners of where I've been in me growing up and growing into the person that I am. And I say that not to say that nobody else has that. We all do. Um, it's all about just how we internalize it and how we deal with it. Um, something that really attracted me to my husband was his perseverance because he experienced a lot of that throughout his growing up. You know, he came here as an immigrant. English is his second language. And um, he had a lot of struggles and he's very, in my opinion, um, successful and he's super smart and he could have definitely went in a different direction, but the person that he is right now, I'm so proud of him. And I think a lot of him in that regard. And we are often tested and we have people who like to be like crabs in a barrel and hold you back, but it's how you react to it. And my first memory of that was in the first grade. I was, I'm the last child of five. Um, I have four older brothers and they're significantly older than me. And my parents worked a lot in my earlier age. So when I would come home from school, we would be watching Rhapsody in the basement. Like it was no, I didn't really watch like Sesame Street, anything like educational for my age group. Um, I played a lot outside and school just like I didn't like get it for what it was or what its purpose was necessarily. And so my first grade teacher, which I think in hindsight had a lot to do with just like racism to be completely transparent um, in what I think. And she, this is before they did testing, she felt like I had a lowered IQ and she referred me for special education classes. And she told my mother that I was not cognitively at a level as my peers. And again, this is at a time where, you know, a teacher could just make a recommendation. It can really change the trajectory of a child entirely. 
And my mother fought it. And the result of it was for me to just be held back a grade. And the embarrassment of me being held back a grade and see all of my friends move on kind of like snapped me into it. And then like, oh, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> this, this is what I'm supposed to. Okay, I got it now. Bet. <laughs> and it was like from that point on, I was an honor student. Um, and, and like that kind of was the first chip I had on my shoulder. In the fifth grade, every year our elementary school would put on this big musical production and it was a big deal. And we even had like at the end of the year when they did the awards ceremony, um, whoever had like a breakout role in the production would get what felt like an Oscar, but they would get a trophy for their performance. So I had got this character my character was cupcake this this the play was about some clowns i think the play was called clowns and um i had to sing a song in it and it was so the song that i had to sing for my role imagine the mc hammer song too legit to quit right you know how it's like fast pace like too legit too legit to quit hey hey too legit I had the intro to the song that we were singing and it was a slow version of a fast paced song. So the version that I had to sing was like, too legit, too legit, too quick. <laughs> then I'm like totally like off tone. And I struggled to sing it because I knew the upbeat version of the song. And like the music director had to work with me, like trying to get me like on key and trying to get me to slow it down because I was off beat and we had to practice and practice and they were like I don't know we're gonna be able to get her to get it you know because like I would sing the intro for like two minutes and then the the beat would pick up and then everybody would sing the up tempo version of it and I struggled so when we had the opening night of the play and this is like my first time performing in front of a large audience. I had a lead character role and I was so nervous. The cafeteria was packed. I had to sing this song and I was like, oh my God, you know? And I remember after the play was over, we were feeling good. Like the jitters was out because we performed it a few times. Um, one of the teachers, Miss Holsey, I remember her name. She said to me, you did an awful job. Everybody else in the play did good, but you, you messed it up because of the way you sung that song. She said it just like that. Me, fifth grader now, child. And I just felt horrible. And these are things like I didn't tell my parents. I don't know why I just didn't. Um, and so then there was another chip on my shoulder. And in the sixth grade, the following year, um, something you may or may not know about me, but I've always been a writer. Like, I wrote my first book in the first grade, a children's book. Um, love, love writing. I would just get just caught up in it, passionate about it, um, would be literally escaped in another world. I was the last child of five, the youngest. By the time I got to middle school, everybody had moved out but me. We lived in the country. My parents were at work all the time. I had to entertain myself, and I did through writing. So Black History Month comes along. They're looking for people to just present something or, or offer something to be in the Black History program. I write a poem about a slave escaping the plantation to get to freedom. Somehow, some way, one day 
the poem just came to me. Beautifully written. And it was like in detail of how the slave was running through the woods and they could see the sunlight of where the trees were opening up and they were going to be crossing over into Ohio to get through freedom. And I submitted it. Everybody loved it. They were like, we want her to perform this for the Black History Program. My teacher, Ms. Madison, pulled me to the side and said, where did you steal this poem? And I was like, I didn't steal it. I wrote it. She was like, I know you didn't write this. You're not capable of writing anything like this. Where did you get this from? And I said, I didn't get it from anywhere. Like it came from my head. Like I just, I just wrote it one day. She was like, okay, when I find where you get this, where you got this poem, you're going to be in trouble. So I'm just letting you know that now. And I just brushed it off again. Why? I don't know why I didn't tell my mama so she could pull up to the school. I just didn't because in my mind, I was just thinking like she tripping. Like I wrote the poem. Like <laughs> I, why, why would I steal anything that I write? I love to write. Like this is my lane. This is what I do. And that was just another chip on my shoulder. And um, the one last one last thing that I have to say of, of a, something that had happened was, like I said, I've always written. And it was in fifth grade where I started to write novels, um, lengthy ones. Friends would read them. I would bring in a new chapter every week, all the way like up until like high school, like writing thick teen novels. And um, even trying to submit them to be published. And each year I had entered um, a competition called Celebration of Writing. Um, You would win by your county. From there you would go to state. And then from there you would go to nationals. Each year I was winning effortlessly. And I couldn't write like a short story or a paragraph or a poem. I was writing like the max of what you could write was a five page Um, short story. And um, seventh grade, the one that I wrote was called The Kiss. And it won nationally. And um, had went to this huge like ceremony in Atlanta. I got this award for it. And then um, so I'm feeling like pretty like confident or whatever. So eighth grade, I submitted my next story. And I think it was called like First Impressions. And it was a play on the Charles Dickens Great Expectations. And um, I submitted it in my English teacher. And for some reason, I cannot remember her name. She said, it's too detailed. I mean, five pages. Like, this is too much. You need to shorten it. It's too much detail. No one wants to read all of that. You need to try again. You know, matter of fact, I'll submit it because it's probably not going to win. And um, you'll learn as you, you get older in your writing not to write this much. Which... What, what sense does that make? <laughs> she submitted it. I won. Done. And again, I didn't, I didn't put anything into it. I didn't like, I heard what she said, obviously, because I'm saying it to you. So obviously it left some sort of impression on me. But I say all of this to say, um, each doubter that I've, I've had in my life from teachers, people, even people that I've dated, um, it had like left an imprint on me and not necessarily to prove something to them, but to continue to prove it to me, like, huh, the people who doubted you, 
were the people who continued to propel you, whether they knew it or not. And continuing to push myself and push myself to be the best version of myself that I can be because there was once a woman that said out loud that she felt as if I had a lower IQ to the point where I wasn't cognitively at a level of my peers. And here I sit with a master's degree in counseling and psychology, opening a group practice on a board for Postpartum Support International, having just completed my certification in perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, having a podcast, speaking about mental health, published three books. It's so interesting. Um, But if anything that they like to take away is there will always be people who will doubt you. If anything that says so much more about themselves, definitely let it be your motivation. Um, Not that you have to prove anything to them. They don't matter. They mean any nothing. I don't know where any of those people are in life. Teaching should not be what they do at all. Just like there are some bad therapists, there are some bad teachers out there. There are some wonderful ones. I've had some amazing teachers. Um, Mr. Hurt was a teacher that to this day I'm grateful for. Miss Mr. Weaver, I'm grateful for him. Even teachers that I had in college, Dr. Deckner, huge, huge influence on me in becoming who I am. Um, But there are some other teachers that had their contribution to who I am today because I didn't allow myself to believe in what they said. So long rant, but the conclusion is 2021 is about me continuing to step outside of my comfort zone and really show myself in the world what I'm capable of. Um, Moving on to the next thing. So we also launched a book club towards the end of 2020. My good friend Julia R.A. and I, and it's called Lit Women Book Club. If you want to be a part of it, just email me at Keisha at KeishaReeves.com. We pick a book each month on womanhood. It's not about just solely motherhood, but just anything. And we've read The Vanishing Half by um, Britt Bennett, which was really, really great. And it was a difficult read because I was reading it at the time. Lovecraft Country was on and there was a civil rights movement and election and reading that book at the same time it was it was difficult the second book that we read was my sister the serial killer so we are two books in thus far and um join us we just kind of meet up virtually until the pandemic has passed and then we want to be able to meet in person and um kiki about what we read and just talk about things that kind of really move us from the novels that we have for the month so that happened. Um, another big thing that's going to be happening in February, on February 27th, like I said, I'm on the Georgia chapter board for Postpartum Support International, and we will be having our first annual Black Maternal Mental Health Summit. And it's going to be amazing. It's virtual. It's from 10 to 2. We have a great lineup of people that will be joining us. I'm going to be putting out some information about it. Um, but if you're interested, you can definitely sign up for it. I'll give you some more information as the times gets closer, but 
I'm a part of putting it on, getting the speakers. I'll also be presenting for that as well, um, educating on perinatal mood and anxiety, doing a breakout session on that. So super excited. And what I've been watching since the last time that we talked, I watched The Queen's Gambit and I didn't know if I was going to like it or not, but I loved it. It was so good. I really, really liked it. I also watched The Undoing on HBO. And it was kind of one of those, like, uh, I like Hugh Grant because Notting Hill is one of my favorite movies, but it was seeing him in a different role, which he did good in. But the, and I love Nicole Kidman. She's good in pretty much everything that she does. It was one of those movies where I was like, duh, at the end of it. And um, the most recent thing that I watched that I highly, highly, highly recommend was Ma Rainey. I watched it on Sunday morning. It's with Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman's last role. It's on Netflix. And um, it's only an hour and a half. But it was so, so good. So many takeaways from that. I love August Wilson. He was the one who wrote it. He wrote it, the play for it in 1980, I believe. Um, he also wrote Fences. If you ever saw that, that's with Denzel Washington and Volley Davis. It was also a play that was originally done. Then when August Wilson died, he said that the only way he would allow any of his plays to be turned into a film is if there was a black director. And Denzel was a huge supporter of his work. And so he was adamant about making that happen. And Denzel actually directed Fences and then um, brought on another black director for Ma Rainey. And Denzel was an executive producer for that. And Viola was in both of the plays as well as the movie. And Ma Rainey um, is from Georgia. She's from Columbus, Georgia. She was born in the late 1800s. And she is kind of deemed as the queen of blues. And you know how I feel about the South, y'all. You know how I feel about our music, our everything about us from how we eat, how we listen to music, how we can turn a hymn into something with a beat to it. I, I just, I love it. And there were so many things that that was huge. One being Chadwick Boseman's character and how trauma deeply affected him. And so much so where he disassociated at times, how um, he was striving to be someone that was completely different than his father. But at the same time, he ended up being kind of in the same shoes, doing the same thing. But on the other end was Ma Rainey's character and how when I say that she reclaimed her time, um, I love the fact that she owned herself and she knew her worth and she knew what people wanted out of her and how to get what she wanted out of their desire to make money off of what she had to offer. And I feel like a lot of us miss the the, the buck sometimes in that regard. Like we we want to accommodate other people. We want to um, make them so much money off of our backs and we forget. And this is in relationships. This is in jobs. This is in um, how we are with other people. We don't see what we bring to the table and how people are able to be fulfilled and just take what we have to give. They'll just keep taking if we keep giving it. 
And I tell clients, I tell friends, I tell people, sometimes we have to teach people how to treat us. That we can so oftentimes just fit into their world without teaching people how to fit into ours. And when you know your worth, that's what you end up doing. And she did that beautifully. Like, I, I just loved it. I loved her character. I love her her audacity. I loved her voice. Um, and she knew, she knew how to work it. So highly, highly recommend it. I think August Wilson is a beautiful storyteller. He knows how to write a story about Black people's struggles during those periods of time and how to portray it. Um, the acting was impeccable. Viola Davis is the GOAT, hands down. And Chadwick Boseman literally stole the show. And look who he stole the show from. Like, it's just, it's so, I, I just, I can't. And Chadwick, rest in peace, beautiful soul. And how he was able to portray the character of Levy. And I, I cannot rave enough about it. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. It was definitely one of the best movies I've seen this year. And this is coming off at the tail end of Lovecraft Country. Because Lovecraft Country, I, hands down, was so well written. Misha Green did a great job filming it, putting it on television. And the black stories that have come out this year has been impeccable. And there's so, so many stories to be told. So that's that. Um, now, to catch you up on what I've been listening to, um, DVSN, Gaida, Sir, um, he has a song called The Recipe. I really like that. I'm going to play a couple of snippets of those. Um, the song Gaida, I really, really love. And um, the song that really sticks out to me the most that she has is called, is called Falling Higher. Whenever I listen to that song, it is super inspirational to me because it aligns with the theme of what I'm looking at for 2021, being able to fall higher in my existence, in myself, to be able to go higher heights, reach paramounts, um, and be the best version of myself that I can be and really be present, really be grounded, really be grateful for everything that I've been blessed with that I have. Um, every time I listen to it, I get goosebumps and I just feel motivated to manifest and to create everything that I've been talking about. I was telling my husband how last year, New Year's, we were at his friend Conrad's house and I was saying, you know what I wanna work on next year is, is creating this group practice. And I wanna make it like this really nice, aesthetically looking space like boho chic and it's where women can be able to congregate resources and workshops and then I would also like to have an office in New York and LA and just reach so many more people and break the stigma of mental health and it definitely look like self-care because that's what it is um kind of like when I go into Ewe Fresh in Atlanta that's what it looks like when you go into your therapy office. And it's happening. Like, we open January 4th. Um, so just so grateful for that. And I love the song and I love how that song makes me feel. Um, so have a listen to 
the Sir recipe now. Tell me what you think. I better fall back. I don't mean to mislead her. But if she believed every word that I said, I'd take it all back. She playing follow the leader. But that doesn't mean that I ain't gotta leave her. And um, I have just been ranting. It has been 58 minutes of me just talking. I said I was just going to record this for 45 minutes and look at me just going on and on. And now I'm almost hoarse. <laughs> but um, tell me, what do you have in mind for 2021? What do you want for yourself? What are you grateful for? What has 2020 done for you? Um I just want to know your thoughts. And also, we're in season three of Pitch Through Podcast. What do you want to hear? What stories do you want to be told? Do you want to be a guest on the show? Do you want to share a story? Hit me up. We have some great people that are lined up, like super, super dope people. I've already started interviewing, already started. Like I got podcasts that are just waiting to be released. Um, so I can't wait for you to listen to it. And I am so excited about 2021. I'm so thankful for you to continue to listen (laughs) as I've looked at the listens on SoundCloud. I'm so grateful for you to continue to be on this journey with me. And um, please check out our social media page. Please follow at Push Through Mom. I am trying to be more active on there, giving more resources being a little bit more present. I was telling my friend, I don't want to be called an influencer because I don't like that name. Not that I think that there's anything wrong with influencers at all. That's not what I mean. But I would say I want to be more of in, an informer instead of an influencer, I guess. <laughs> I want to inform um, and, and kind of take that approach just to be able to have some good conversations, co- collaborate, meet some new people, um, talk about some great topics and have some fun while doing so. I've I've met some incredible people as I've been on this journey and I'm an introvert through and through and even this the podcast has taken me out of my comfort zone. So, I'm going to wrap up the show cuz I've been talking too long. My voice is getting hoarse. I'm going to leave you with falling higher and drop me a line Holla at me, (laughs) look for the newsletters that's going to be going out weekly with everything that's going on, all of the shows. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter, go to pushthroughmom.com and um, sign up for our newsletters. And in the meantime, please enjoy season three. We'll be coming out every Wednesday with a new episode. And in the meantime, keep pushing. I've been falling higher while I'm